So we've been going through the basics that we all need when it comes to the Christian faith. And we have covered a broad gamut of things, but we all know we're supposed to be moving on to maturity as Methodists. That uh, God takes you where you are, but he doesn't leave you there. And uh, you are going to be continually growing in him as you continue to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior. And, uh, but as far as maturity goes, whenever uh, our uh, middle daughter was about 13 or so, we were living in uh, the Woodlands, Texas, and uh, uh, she had a friend and her, and then we had friends, the whole family was our friends. Anyway, uh, the father uh, was a, a psychologist and an inventor. And he actually uh, has a patent or had a patent on the Apollo space helmet because he was in charge of ergonomics for the Apollo uh, space uh, program. And uh, one of the things that bothered him was that up until then, they just had flat masks. And for doing what they were doing, they needed to be able to look around more. And he wanted a curved mask And they said, it can't be done. Everybody that he was talking about said, so he just did it. He made it and uh, took care of things. And so they gave him the patent and they, that's, so if you see the rounded Apollo space helmet, that's Bob Jones doing. That's why it's round. It's because of our friend Bob. Well, uh, our kids, you know, kids turn 13, they, uh, anyway, he just flat said, his, our daughters were just so manure. <laughs> and we thought we misheard him, but um, he meant what he said. <laughs> and what he meant was they think they're so mature, but they're not. Well, I'm afraid that there are a lot of Christians that think they're so mature, but they're not really mature. They're something else okay so uh uh, this is why we have gone through this just to remind you that you should be continually giving as much of yourself as you understand to as much of god as you know and i said that backwards you're supposed to be giving as much of yourself as you know to as much of god as you understand and as you're doing that You're right where you're supposed to be. And you may have discovered that uh, you'll get to these places where you'll know you have a a besetting sin or a bad habit or something like that. And the Lord will just continually say, when are you going to do something about this? Just very gently and sometimes not so gently, just let you know that he's concerned about this and you're not going to be able to be the person that he created you to be as long as that's still there. And you may struggle with it. And then finally, what do you do? Finally, you realize you can't do anything about it at all. All you can do is let go and let God. And you finally surrender that thing to him. And then what happens? Ah, 
I'm just really somebody now. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then you're feeling so good. And then the Lord says, well, now, what about how you even think about your spouse? You know, and all these other things. There's another project. And so you get through with that project. And then there's another one. And there's another one. And every time you go through one of those, you come out in a different place and you have matured. But you're still moving on in, toward maturity, you see. We never arrive until we get to heaven. We are in perfecting grace right now. One of these days, whenever we go home to be with the Lord, will be in glorifying grace. But until then, there's always going to be things for you to do and room for improvement. I hate to tell you that, but it's really a joyful thing because if you just, you see, salvation is the whole trip. You come to knowing and then you move, just like marriage is the whole trip. You come to know them and then you get you, you get into a deep personal relationship with them, a committed relationship, and you start discovering after you get married, you start discovering things you never knew before, right? Well, it's the same with the Lord. That's, that's the way it works. And so today we're just wrapping it all up. And in this uh, passage that we read, uh, I'm not going to dwell on it uh, a whole lot because we have communion this morning. But there are two things I want to bring out of this. First of all, when it comes to the Lord, listen to him. Listen to him. That's one of the things that uh, the, the, the author of Hebrews is talking about in chapter 12 is you really need to listen to what he says. Now, how do you listen to the Lord these days? Mainly through prayer and reading your Bible. Those are the two main ways. Now then, also, he can speak to you through your friends. He can speak to you through your enemies. He uh, speaks through, and I think I've discovered it's always good to have enemies. Uh, uh, I, I, I felt for Donald Trump whenever, you know, th- people start just sniping at him because uh, there have been times in ministry when I have felt like that, I will have people that are just out to get me. Not lately, and I'm not paranoid, I'm telling you. Uh, it's just that, but sometimes people just, uh, usually it's a power trip. They think it's their church and the preacher's in the way. And because of that, they uh, start trying to get rid of the preacher. And so they'll sit out there and uh, listen to every word I say, everything, and uh, and they'll just uh, run to the district superintendent, now the presiding elder, and complain. I've learned that it's good to have enemies because it's good that you watch what you say. And if people can find fault with you that's true, you need to do something about it. And so if people attack you and what they're saying is true, Embrace it, learn from it, and move on. And then they're going to be upset because you're not doing that anymore. Uh, and uh, anyway, so you learn from your enemies. And uh, it just helps you to become uh, a better person. And so uh, 
If some of you have enemies right now, they're your enemies for the gospel's sake. And so you just go ahead and love them, turn the other cheek, uh, be kind to them and pour hot coals on their head. You know, just do all those things and one of two things will happen. They'll either become your best friend or in some shape, form or fashion, they'll disappear from your life. And so, uh, but you just stay with the Lord and he says, vengeance is mine. He'll take care of the vengeance and the justice. You just take care of being who he wants you to be. And that'll be the best thing for you to do. So you listen to him through all the different ways. He'll speak to you through circumstances. He'll speak to you in lots of different ways, but primarily through prayer and reading the Bible. Uh, whenever uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon was, was Charles Spurgeon once said, when asked what is more important, praying or reading the Bible, I ask, what is more important, breathing in or breathing out? And there's so much truth to that. You need both. You're not going to live if you don't breathe in and breathe out. You're not going to be able to mature as a Christian if you don't pray. And in your praying, not just offer, offer up petitions, but also be still Know that he is God and listen for that still small voice. And then he'll confirm it through his word and through other things. So that's the first main uh, topic that we're covering today. Listen to him. And now then the major topic I want to talk about today, worship him, worship him. And whatever you look at it in the right way, all of the Christian life is worship. In Romans 12, 1 through 2, Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, that word service there is an interesting Greek word. It's the word latreia in Greek, and it means to, to minister to God, to bless Him, to serve Him, to worship Him. And so uh, in some translations, you'll see it translated your reasonable worship, but here it's translated service uh, in the New American Standard. But then he goes on, he says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So first of all, in the big picture, worship. Worship comes from an old Anglo-Saxon word, worthship which means he is worthy you're worthship you're worth it and that's what worship is all about is expressing from the depth of your soul lord you are worth it you are worth it you're worth 
what I feel is a sacrifice when it comes to doing the right thing instead of the wrong thing. You're worth it when uh, it comes to biting my tongue instead of speaking. You're worth it. We sing the song, Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy to receive glory and honor and praise. And he is worthy of whatever we offer up to him. And what we should be offering him every day is our self. Every day, every morning when you wake up, worship begins. Just cover just a few quick ways where daily worship is and weekly worship. First of all, corporate worship. Uh, in Hebrews 10.25, the author says, For not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. That means encouraging one another, lifting up one another, admonishing one another. And so much the more as you see the day with a capital D approaching. And the day means the day of the Lord when the Lord returns. And my goodness, look at the newspaper. Look at the newscast. The Lord's coming soon. And we need to be ready. And uh, because the Bible is being confirmed every day. And so uh, whenever you see the news, don't just go, oh, it's so bad. Jesus says what you're supposed to be doing is look up because your redemption draws nigh. What's your redemption? The Lord. He's near. He can come back before we go home. And uh, so just ask yourself, are you ready? Because it says in the twinkling of an eye. I love that uh uh, the, the t-shirt that just shows a couple of tennis shoes and a bunch of sparks and stars flying out of them. And it says, uh, we shall not be, uh, we'll not all be, let's see, how does it word it? Anyway, that in the, we're not going to all uh, uh, die, but we will all be transformed because of the twinkling of an eye. The trumpet's going to shout, going to sound, and the dead will rise in Christ first, and then we will all go up and meet him in the air. And uh, if he tarries long enough, I want to be buried next to Sharon so that we can make that last trip together. We, uh, we've made so many trips together, so many places. And uh, so uh, anyway, but in the twinkling of an eye, it's all going to happen. And it could happen before we get home. So before you leave today, uh, it'd probably be good because we're having communion this morning that you're going to be washed and cleansed. You're going to be ready to go when you walk out of here. And so the next thing to do is just stay ready. It's that simple. But corporate worship, gathering on Sunday morning to worship. When you do that, you're presenting your bodies. You who are here today got up, you gussied up, some of you had extra chores to do before you got here, emergencies to take care of, but you made it here anyway. But uh, you see, you, you, you get up and you say with your very life, you're worthy. 
You're worthy of me taking a day and recognizing and honoring you. You're worthy of me uh, not just uh, 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 getting up and having a cup of coffee and reading the Sunday paper. You're worthy of me getting up and going with being with my brothers and sisters in Christ and worshiping you together. And so this and, and this is so important because it's when he is in our midst that he does his greatest work. Yes, he'll do great work when you're by yourself, but it's whenever the body comes together that uh, he does his greatest work. And so and he edifies us the most. And so uh, corporate worship, coming together to set time with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Next, giving. You know, people don't... Uh, they, uh, I'm trying to, how to say this. My father was not one that was really hip on tithing. Uh, he really hated it when the church sent him bills. And uh, he... Uh, he, uh, that, I don't, that just really bothered him. And I grew up with that same mindset. I was trained because I listened and I saw my father's example instead of seeing what the Lord said in his word. And so I was in the ministry with four kids thinking the Lord understands that uh, I'm P-O-R-E poor and I can't afford to tithe. And so we'd give what we could when we could, or that's what we thought, or what I thought we were doing. And Sharon kept on saying, you know, we really ought to tithe, Joel. We really ought to tithe. And she's been my conscience for years. And so uh, <laughs> finally I surrendered and I said, okay, let's do this. Let's do this. And so we set a budget. And uh, one of the first things off the top of the, you know, the budget, you, you figure out how much spendable income you have. Uh, and uh, so uh, we figured out, and off of our spendable income, the first thing that came off of that was the tithe. And so uh, it was 10%. When we started doing that, guess what happened? I started getting raises. I started getting bigger and better churches. Uh, uh, it was incredible. Uh, the Lord would just multiply our money. And, uh, and the Lord promised he would do that. In Malachi 3, 10 through 11, it says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And then listen to this part. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. The devourer. Sometimes you could just have plenty of money and it's just gone in an instant. Just like he can make it appear. Sometimes the devourer can just make it just go away. Uh, so we've learned that God is our source. So, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time, 
in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. If you will start giving, the Lord will start blessing. It says the Lord, and it says he loves a cheerful giver. You see, when you give in worship, that's why you'll always hear me whenever we're doing the offertory prayer. I say with grateful hearts, with thankful hearts. Because one of the things that we're doing is we're expressing the fact that He is our source. If it wasn't for Him, we wouldn't have those two pennies that we do have to rub together, you know? He's the source. And as we endeavor to bless Him, He will bless us. And uh, it's not that you do it for the blessing. You see, that's just it. It's not, that's not it. That's self-centered giving. When you're doing it in order to get blessed that's the wrong reason you do it to bless the Lord and there's such a difference but you just can't outgive God that's what it boils down to next after giving conduct your behavior some people are all nice and all on Sunday morning and then they get home and they start griping and growling and grumbling at each other. And it's all gone. It wore off before they got to the house. And that's where it should start. And that's why I spent so much time in this series talking about relationships. Because how you treat other people is one of the things that the Lord is most concerned about. And how and that always begins with those people that are closest to you. Those people that, you know, just think of that saying, you always hurt the ones you love. That's a worldly saying. You should always bless the ones you love. You should be learning how to bless them in different ways over and over again. And so uh, our conduct begins at home and then spreads out to even that parking space you're getting ready to pull into uh, right on Christmas Eve and you're trying to get in to get that last uh, present, uh, you let the other people have it. Get a little exercise. Or whenever you're walking and you're uh, almost up to one of the few checkout lanes that's left that is itself checkout, and you look around and you see somebody else heading toward that same spot, and you pick up your pace, slow down, and let them have it. You know, I mean, he's the one that gives you time. Even as you give your time in that way, he's going to bless you. So in your conduct, in your conduct, he says, love your enemies, do good for those that uh, that uh, persecute you and spitefully use you. You know, as you do those things, the Lord's going to bless. But the way to do them is... Lord, I'm doing it because you're worth it. You're worth it. You're worthy. And I'm sacrificing my pride right now. I'm sacrificing my time right now. Uh, Your words. Next thing. Last thing on the list I'm going to talk to you about today is speaking. Uh, I saw a picture this past week of a guy with his face is just all wrinkled up and he's looking really really torn and uh the uh the caption on it says uh 
when the Holy Spirit makes you delete the whole text and just reply, okay. <laughs> Sometimes it's, it's online that you're just going to let them have a mighty blast of your keyboard. Uh, sometimes it could be just whenever you just want to give somebody a piece of your mind. And sometimes that's not the thing to do. I remember a long, long time ago, uh, I was serving a church where there was a, a pastor of, a, of, a, of another Methodist, another kind of Methodist church. Uh, it was Evangelical Methodist Church. Uh, he had been the pastor there, but then they had dismissed him. And so he didn't, he was an unemployed preacher. And uh, so he started attending our church. And he would sit back there, uh, back toward the back in that corner. And I would look, and every Sunday while I was preaching, I noticed that uh, he had He'd get to a certain point in the sermon, he'd take out a notebook that he had, and he'd start writing. I thought, oh man, this preacher's getting some good stuff from me. He's taking notes. He's going to make sure, so whenever he gets to the church, he's going to do good. And so finally, uh, and this went on for months and months and months. And I thought, I'm just so glad I'm helping this guy out. So, And then he called me up and said, I'd, I'd like to come and speak to you if I could. Oh, yeah, come on. And I was expecting all sorts of accolades and stuff, I guess. And so uh, he comes in and he sits down and he pulls out all these notes. And even ones I hadn't even noticed he took on little bits of paper. I mean, he had a whole wad of them there. And so he had these notes there. And uh, and he started out saying, well, whenever I'm trying to... Uh, teach my girls something, I uh, often begin by asking questions. So, first of all, whenever you said this about that woman last Sunday, how do you think the congregation felt about that woman? And all of a sudden, I saw I had the wrong picture altogether. He had been sitting there gathering constructive criticism for months. Something just welled up within me at that moment. And what was about to come out of my mouth was, wait a minute, you going to tell me how to preach? Hey, I got a church. <laughs> I get to preach every Sunday. You out there listening to me for some reason, preacher boy. <laughs> and uh, just really, I started to just let him have it with both barrels, and his it, my, and, and my off and my phone rang just as I was taking a breath, and I answered the phone, and it was the school district, or anyway, it was the school wanting to talk to him, and so I handed him the phone, and he said, "I've got to go. Uh, they're uh, they're closing the school down." Part-time, he was driving a bus and to make ends meet, and the, a snowstorm was coming, and they were trying to get everybody home before the snow hit. So the Lord was gracious to me <laughs> that I didn't hurt a brother in Christ with a sharp tongue. 
I'm glad that he cut me short like that. He intervened graciously at that point in time. But I've had to learn to watch my words. And the words that I don't say many times are gifts to the Lord. My not saying them is a way that I say, Thou art worthy. So whenever during this next week, when you just get ready to take that deep breath, just ask yourself, Lord, no, no, don't ask yourself. Ask the Lord. He's right there with you. Is this really going to be edifying? Is this really going to be a blessing to this person? And I don't mean blessing them out. I'm talking about just <laughs> blessing them. What are they going to be getting from you when you open your mouth? And so you see, every day we have the opportunity, every moment of the day, to bless the Lord with all that is within us. And as we do so, something wonderful is going to happen. Just like our financial tide turned whenever we started doing what the Lord wanted us to do. In every area, in the area of your relationships, in the area of your finances, in the area of uh, uh, just about everything, as you do what you know is pleasing to the Lord, you will be blessed. You can't outgive Him no matter what area it is. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we bow before You at this time, we ask that You forgive us if we haven't been living our lives as, uh, as just a form of worship to You. And help us, we pray, to offer up to You daily our thoughts, our words, our deeds, and everything that's ours. May it all be to You and to Your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.